This is a self-disruption extra brought to you by SEAC. What's going on, everyone? You're listening to the Self-Disruption Podcast, where we help you improve your leadership and innovation with top experts in their field today. Brought to you by SEAC, a global leader in lifelong learning and innovation. You can find out more about them at seasiacenter.com. I've got all their links in the show notes. This episode is part of our Reskill Upskill mini-series. I'm really excited about this one because today we're talking to James Engel. He's the Chief Learning Architect at SEAC, and he is an expert with decades of experience in Southeast Asia transforming learning and education. Jim and I dive into what it is to reskill and upskill. We define those two topics and talk about why it's so important in today's business context. We are living in a disruptive world, and the only way to get ahead, stay ahead, is to reskill and upskill. Jim gives us a ton of insights about how this is going to happen and the ways that we should approach it. So sit back, relax, and let's get right into it. Jim, man, thank you for taking the time to stop in the studio to talk to me. It's been a, a challenge to try to get you over here. You've been busy. Well, the world is changing. Living in a disruptive world. We saw that today, huh? Uh-huh. Yes, we did. Very, very big, very big change in front of us, mm-hmm. market-wise, everything. And I think we'll get into a little bit of that. But what we're really here to talk about is one of the things we're doing a mini-series on here on Self-Disruption is reskilling and upskilling. Mm-hmm. And when I think of that and who I should talk to, you're the first name that comes to mind. Wow, thank you. You're a guy who's been focused on education your whole career, changing education, looking at the way people learn, should learn. And I want to start out by just clarifying right off the bat, in your opinion, reskill and upskill, are they different? How do you define them? And what do they look like? Oh, yeah, they're, they're quite different. So let's let's get the definitions out there. So um, reskilling is meaning that your current skill set for what you for going forward is probably not suitable, and that means that you have to acquire a new set of skills that may be related to your interests or maybe related to those, but they're but they're new skills or different skills. So, I could be a teacher who is standing up in front of the classroom, but I have to reskill myself into becoming more of a technological recorder of information or or digital digital side. So I have to mm. have a new set of skills about how to organize my thinking. Upskills means that. Fundamentally, the way I, the skill I have has to be upgraded to match the, the market or to match the current needs of uh, the customers or things like that. So that would mean that if I'm a, a bank teller and I'm used to doing just transactions, but most of those are now taken place of, uh, of digital, the digital side, then what I want to do is I want to upskill myself to have a deeper or more relevant conversation with uh, the customer about their needs along that line. So I'm, I'm doing the same role, but I'm, I'm raising my level of skill or capability to do something better, faster, or smarter. Something that maybe doesn't even exist right now, right? And that'd be, the, yeah, that could be the reskilling, really. And and the statistics are out there. I mean, they're going to have, people are going to have to do this. They talk about 400 million people uh, being displaced by 2030 across the world because their jobs will become replaced uh, by automation or, uh, uh, artificial intelligence or machine learning. So those people are going to have to reskill or upskill to become either the ones who organize the information or have new skills for the new types of jobs that are coming or haven't been even invented yet. I know even it's not necessarily just low-tech jobs either that we're talking about. A lot of high-tech jobs are being displaced by technology, AI in particular. Well, it's really 
It's interesting. I was having a conversation the other day about uh, this rapid uh, skilling up, skilling of coding. Mm. And uh, one of the gentlemen I was talking to was one of the advanced educators in the coding area, and he said, "You know what? We're rapidly skilling up people on how to code, but those jobs are going to go away in ten years because AI and machine learning is going to take over coding. So what we're doing is temporarily upskilling a whole." part of our workforce that will then go away uh, because of um, artificial intelligence will be able to code or be able to do that without humans. So there's a new job of upskilling or reskilling of a new area, and that that will go away within 10 years. So It's a very fast cycle. It's a very fast cycle, yeah. So if you think about 10 years from now, everyone who's learning to code needs to essentially reskill or upskill into a machine learning type of role. Or an AI type, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really interesting space. Now, if we narrow the focus a little bit, Jim, we're talking, if we talk about Thailand, Mm -hmm. where we're based here, the economy is shifting dramatically. Mm -hmm. And we're moving fast. And I I think it's hard to put, for me, to put my finger on the pulse of it and say, oh, this is what's coming. I think you have a bit more perspective on that. And when you look at the economy, and you have a, a much larger history with the economy here than I do, and you've seen the change coming for a longer time. You've been here more than double the time that I have. Mm-hmm. So when you look at where we're going with digital Thailand, Thailand 4.0, all of that, and the shift in education, what do you think of the skills people need to reskill at right now? What's hot? And, but more importantly, what? What are those reskills that no one sees yet that you kind of think are on the horizon, on the peripheral? Well, let's let's get down to a base level about what's going to happen in Thailand. Um, they estimate, you know, with with the economic growth, there's going to be about seven million jobs displaced within the next ten years by 2030. So ten percent of the population. Ten percent, yeah, ten percent of the population, and probably close to twenty percent of the workforce. Mm. Uh, and that you have a lot of people standing around at gas stations and retail and banking and uh, agriculture where, where um, automation and where uh, their, their services will no longer be required. So you've got those people sitting over the sign. Meanwhile, you've got an economy that has to move forward with fewer people anyway because of the, the uh, declining labor force, declining population. So the population in Thailand starts to decline in 2020, and it will for the next 10 years. So in four months? Yes. <laughs> Okay, that's a tipping point. Yeah. <laughs> and so these people who get displaced are going to be needed to fill jobs that uh, are, are currently, they, they need to find people to do them. And that could be, it could be coding, it could be in automation, it could be in different sectors where uh, um, you have to do that. So, but the, the balance isn't there yet. You know, the, you have a lower skilled level of people who will be displaced and even a higher skilled level like in banking uh, or finance or those different areas. So there's going to have to be a real balancing act around what types of skills uh, people are going to need to have. And at the core of that is the ability of people to think and learn. And so an education system that's putting out people uh, based on how well they can memorize or prepare for a test that's a set time and place where I have to know this information is not preparing the, the current uh, workforce or the future workforce coming in to be able to take on fast enough the types of jobs or skilling up the type of jobs that, that are going to be required. And that, that, that includes in, in the, digital, the digital transformation, the digitalization side of things, or in the automation side of things where most of the jobs are going to be generated. 
that's a huge problem you just underlined for us here. So there's this whole, not just thinking mindset type of issue that underpins all of the skills as well. Yes. So the ability to think, to learn, to drive on your own, to, to, I, to plot a course to success. Those fundamental skills to get you to where you need to be through reskilling and upskilling don't exist. Well, they, those skills are at a lower level than mm. a lot of, uh, like in the West or other things, because of the education mm. system doesn't promote those or develop those. So if you don't go to international schools or some of the higher-end schools here, and even the universities um, in Thailand, are, are their rankings are dropping to the point where now that none of the schools in Thailand are ranked in within the top 100 universities in the top 100 in Asia. Mm. And so the reformation of the education system isn't hasn't gone fast enough and it probably won't and they know that so it's going to be up to a lot of people uh, like seac and the private sector to be able to help retool reposition and help these this this uh, workforce uh be much more agile adaptable uh and also to release the innate creativity that that resides within ties because it is a very creative culture but the education system suppresses that and so we have to unleash that mm. potential about I can think I can contribute I can innovate and I have the freedom and the safety to do so let's talk about the role of SEAC organizations like this that are that are supplemental to the education system like you said you, you really have to take up the the brunt of helping to reskill and you know, upskill the workforce or individuals in general in society. And you guys have taken a big step towards that with the Your Next You platform. And I know you are the, you probably don't want me to call you the architect behind the, the machine or the, the, the brain there, but you, you played a huge role in developing and putting this together, piecing it together. How does that position SEAC in the reskill upskill market and do the universities or the the higher education institutes do they still have a role to play? Well, we hope so. Um, SEAC created your next you mostly because of the recognized need for speed mm. and the recognized uh, need for transforming how we educate or how we we skill people up. You have to skill people up faster. You have to do more people faster in new skills. And, you know, the, you know, I was talking to somebody from a, one of the leading universities here just last week. They were in here, and they were saying that for us to change the curriculum, it's three to five years. And by the time they change the curriculum and get approval to update that curriculum to talk about innovation or to talk about uh, finance or fintech, you know how fast information goes, Dana. Mm -hmm. it, it, that day, by the time they're updated, it'll be out of date. So... They're trying to find ways which to move around the system to be able to do that. So Your Next G was a direct output of saying, how can we meet the people or the learners, the people who want to learn uh, where they are, give them what they need in a way they need it, in, a, in, a, in a, the form that they need it, so that they can uh, upskill themselves. And so uh, Your Next G is really focused right now on, on people or corporations who want to learn who want to upskill or want to move quicker mm. and this is the platform and the community from which we'll do that and we're all in it now so we're all now it flips it flips that from me telling you what you need to learn dana from the people who are out there saying i i'm seeing this and i need to learn this do you have it and if we don't we'll find it and we'll build it and then you'll learn it 
that's the way it works. You talked about speed, and it says three years to change the curriculum at a university. Minimum. Minimum. And then that doesn't even count onboarding people into a new curriculum. But one of the things that I've heard you say a lot, you describe SEAC as a 27-year-old startup. And when you talk about that, the thing I think about with startups is their agility. Mm -hmm. And agility is definitely something I see at SEAC and within the UNXU platform. Pretty much every time I log into the platform, there's new content available. Mm -hmm. How do you guys identify, source, and update so frequently at that speed? At that speed. Um, It's tiring. (laughs) <laughs> it's 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 faster than I want to go at my age, but um, I think it, it's constantly. So we're listening to a wide. It's really it goes back to being customer centric. It's mm. it's saying uh, what are we hearing from our members? What are we hearing from the corporations that sign their employees up? Uh, what are we seeing coming? Yeah, what you know, you're reading in the paper or uh, the large bank here has got to reskill 2,000 of their people and they come to us and they say we need them to reskill in these areas and so what we do is we very agilely have a constantly updating a curriculum pipeline uh, which we're we just met on this this morning we've got 67 courses now that we're evaluating and then we're going to go down and talk to the members about not just content that they want but in in what context are they going to use that content to help them upskill, reskill, or be better. Because content is nice, but you know, as Gary Vrancheck says, if content is king, context is God. So our goal is to identify opportunities for uh, uh, new skills or new ways of doing things, you know, from brave new work, yeah. new, si- new working systems, new applications. And then, but then going out and talking to the people saying, is this what you think you need? And how do you, what situations would you be using this in? So then we would build the content in the context in which they can use it. And so that's a constant process. Really just constantly using empathy yes. to, to dive in and, and that's a, understand that's a, what they need. That's a really big shift for training companies like we used to be or uh, universities who are used to pushing content at people saying, this is what you need. And we've really, and it's been hard for me, to had to flip that and say, you know what, you tell me what you see you need and what you want and then we we go backwards from there and then we build it out in a way that they need it we're the experts at designing experiences and we want to make it much more interesting and much more engaging and higher retention of learning we want to make it for adults it must it has to be related to what they're thinking and what they're feeling and what they're doing but they have to tell us uh, this is what i want this is how i want it and then we're going to bring it to you in a way that that helps you accelerate the speed at which you would have learned it uh, faster than in the past also, you build a, a community around it. Mm-hmm. And so your next you isn't an online platform. It's not a classroom. It's all these things wrapped into a community. Is that right? Yeah, I think it, it starts, like you said, it's, it's learner-centric. Uh, humans are social animals. Mm. So most of the platforms that are out there are very passive, like LMSs and corporations, or uh, Linda from uh, LinkedIn or Udemy. Uh, those are all one-on-one and sometimes they'll do something live and sometimes they'll do something remote but what you have to do is our goal is to say this is a this is an ecosystem this means that I come and take a class in person live here or maybe it's up country where we're gonna go maybe it's in Vietnam 
but I'm meeting somebody here and then, oh, I, I talked to you about your situation. It's similar to mine. Mm. And I'm, so it's a face-to-face thing. And then I can go and download a tool if I need to, or I can do a social learning, or I can do a virtual class. Or, But the goal is that it has to be a, a very dynamic place where people can connect, share ideas, bring their best thinking in it, give us the best that they have because a member has responsibilities to let us know how things are going, what they want, how they want it, and what they're learning, and, and then also bring ideas into the into the fore so that we can constantly upgrade the, the, the total experience, which would, which would include, uh, yes, an online portion, yes, uh, an in-person uh, classroom, yes, a social learning experience, yes, a field trip, anything, all those blended into uh, one community and one platform. So that ecosystem that you talk about, I think that it sounds like that plays a big role in the speed that we talked about, your ability to sense what is needed or what's wanted and implement it. Yeah, and not only sense it, but just try something. You know, somebody came in the other day and they just said, when you have a new course, you should just have a day where people can come in and and look at what the courses are going to be and give feedback on it. I said, okay, let's create that. Uh, Your next course member day where they come in and look at different courses and just sit in a room and give us feedback on whether they want it, what they don't, and how they want it. So we'll do that. And we can do that and run it next week. A lot uh, faster than three years. And then we can bring in 10 courses that we're thinking about, and we can get a lot of input from that. So uh, there's there the ability to be able to create in the moment something that the members have thought of, uh, to test ideas really fast. Mm. So the beeline aspect, which is the social learning, we can bring in something, productivity uh, next week, and which we've done, and we've got 40 people signed up to do that. If they like that, it becomes a course. If they don't, we won't do it again. It's, you know, agile, iterative, prototyping, prototyping. Just mm-hmm. keep, keep keep trying new stuff. Keep driving forward. Keep iterating. Keep testing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also a skill that maybe is missing. I, I've seen a lot of people excited about the uh, the design thinking courses at Your Next You, and that seems to be one of the skills that people are really hungry for. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're big on mindset as well. And we talked to uh, someone from Avenger the other day on the show. And they we were talking basically mindset, outward mindset in particular. is this. It's a skill in itself, but it's really almost a foundation for other skills to be built on. Well, mindset is not a skill. It's a mindset. <laughs> it drives behaviors and it drives the execution of your skills, but mm. it's really how you see things. But going back to the design thinking, even – with design thinking, which is the quote-unquote hot topic, even we realize that as popular as it is, you know, uh, our ability to use the Stanford content here is great, and we're realizing that that's still not good enough. Mm. So coming up, we're going to, based on the feedback from our members, we're going to expand that curriculum because they've learned the concept. Now they get, they say, now how do I apply design thinking in my life? Like, you know, um, you know, uh, design your life by Bill Burnett uh, type of thing. Uh, how do I do, how I how do I take a specific project all the way through? Can you guys help me do that? And we'll help them do that. So, once again, it's it's just not good enough to launch a course or a, or a, or even an online course or an in person course without thinking about the end game. Hmm. And that's the agility, that's the adaptability, and that's the uh, skilling up. So I, I I didn't know this before. Now I know this. Now I know this. Now I want more Hmm. and so that's where we talk coming back to the first point about uh learning how to learn and 
giving these people ad adaptability and uh, agility skills and thinking skills that I, well, now I've been exposed to this, I'm seeing things in a different way, I'm thinking in a different way, I can accelerate my learning and I can contribute better to society. And we've seen this through four generations coming through these programs. Keeping with that, Jim, one of the things I really enjoy about SEAC, I really like that I see on your next you that you've talked about this a lot, you're big on this, and you really want to implement this even more, is taking those skills and being able to practice them, to implement them so that you don't lose it. And, you know, I talked to someone just the other day who was, he just finished his MBA two years ago, told me he knows nothing about what he studied. Mm -hmm. It's gone. Yeah. And you told me this, I remember the first time we met, we had this conversation. He told me if you don't use it, you lose it a lot quicker than you think. Yeah, that's true. That's the Ebbinghaus curve that if you don't apply or reinforce what you learned uh, quickly, you'll lose 80% within the next couple of days. So yeah. um, that's always a challenge. I think that's kind of like the holy grail for learning and development uh, is application and, and how do you help people apply afterwards. So part of the four-line learning process that we've got includes the frontline part, which means that I've learned something and now I have to have ways to apply that in my context. So we are moving forward on that. I think we do a better job than most people. I think uh, we have a lot of bigger plans. The goal is to say that what is it about what you just learned and where can I apply that in context, you know, my point of need or my point of performance, and then what can you're next to you and we supply you in that moment that can help you apply that and remember it. So there'll be a wide variety of tools. There'll be things that you can download. There'll be uh, very specific cards or tips or things that you do, and you would have to, in one, one class, we actually have them uh, make a phone call mm. right there in that session and apply it right during the session. You got a call, and you use this right now, and it's very, that's outward mindset. So and me goal, and you did that. Yes, I did. Yeah, I actually <laughs> used you. I actually yeah. talked to you directly. And that's, and that Made session. me cry in your class. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not the first time. <laughs> I've made someone cry, but but the goal is is being able to to find uh, numerous ways with technology uh, and with uh, buddies and pairing things up to to be able to apply what I've learned with the faces that come to mind and in the places where I need them in that moment. So we'll be doing you know chatbots and uh, uh, reinforcement reminders, possibly SMS messages popping up saying, "Have you done this today?" There's lots of different technology options that we're going to be leveraging over the next year to help people coming out of design thinking or out of growth mindset, outward mindset, project management. How do I help them in that moment apply what they learn and have the right information at the right time in the right place so they can they can apply that skill and upskill themselves quickly. You know? And keep it. Yep. And I think that that's so huge. Now, as we go to wrap up here, Jim, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop heavy stuff on you and I expect a heavy answer back. Okay, ready for weightlifting. We, we look at where we're going. We look at where the economy's going in Thailand specifically. You have optics on this that a lot of us don't. And so reskilling, upskilling, what's going to be needed? What roles do the different stakeholders have to play? And where does the SEAC fit into all of that? Well, I think what you're going to see is a, a concerted effort by the private sector to address this issue. Uh, the government's not going to be in a position to reform education fast enough. And and it shouldn't be their role, really. They, they need to help facilitate that. Maybe it's tax breaks. Maybe it's uh, symposiums and things like that. But really, we're already seeing, you know, with SCB, SCG, uh, PTT, and a lot of other companies, uh, uh, along with SEAC, kind of all working together to talk about what parts of the, uh, the workforce do we have to upskill, which ones are going to be uh, made redundant by the changing technology and how do we assist them? So what you're going to see or what you're already seeing is a, 
uh, unusual partners getting together in different contexts to, to create opportunities to upskill large groups of people, like through your next you. And then also being able to, to work with them to say, if you guys need this uh, SEAC in your next two, we'll build it. We'll bring it in. We'll we'll contextualize it. We'll translate it. We'll uh, we'll develop the the content and the skills building on uh, the your next you uh, platform and community to make sure that happens. And then continuously listen to the the learners and the people who need it the most and give it to them in the way that they can use it the most. Not just the standard typical education or training. It's got to be. You have to innovate and you have to upskill and reskill. How we upskill and reskill. So. Iterate, innovate, iterate, innovate, keep it going. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Jim, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Great, to, great being here. Good to see you. Thanks. You've been listening to the Reskill Upskill mini series that's part of the Self Disruption Podcast. This mini series is brought to you by SEAC, a leader in lifelong learning and their Your Next Hue platform. You can find all the links to check them out in the show notes of this episode.